0: the unique features of the Living Church of Jesus Christ is its ever-expanding body of fundamental spiritual knowledge about man's identity and purpose, which enlarges the memory of this people. Scripture declares that
1: ye should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, and if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven and dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. We come having prayed and prepared. For many of us, there are pressing worries and earnest questions. We want to renew our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ to strengthen our ability to resist temptation and avoid distractions, we come to be taught from on high. The purpose of this and every general conference is to help us to hear him. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Conference Talk. (laughs) And today we are going to be discussing Elder David A. Bednar's talk titled, Let This House Be Built Unto My Name. And this was a pretty legit talk, but first, we've got a little housekeeping, a little bit of podcast business, okay? So something that we've been thinking about doing for a while, and now it's finally secured. We figured out how we want to execute it is to move this podcast to another podcast feed so instead of it being on the feed that you're listening to it right now which is now called the book of mormon podcast instead of just christ-centered conversations though that's still what we're called that's still our our podcast brand if you will but this feed is going to be dedicated to the book of mormon and then a separate feed which will go live following the October 2020 general conference. Right. It'll just be conference talk with an exclamation point. <laughs> right? Can't forget that. Can't forget that. It will have all of our I guess you could call it season 1 which mm. talk, which is really <clears throat> the April 2020 general conference talks. Right and we will then begin October season two. Yeah. Season two, which is October 2020 general conference talks.
1: Yeah. So really our vision is you got, you know, Christ center conversations and branching off our Christ center conversations. You have two podcasts, which is book of Mormon podcast and conference talk. And then each will have their own feet. And so they're going to be similar. Like we have the logo and everything. So it's very, um similar and you'll know it's still housed under Christ Center Conversations but it will be separate. So
0: yeah take a we're excited. Take a stick and write on it for Joseph. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and on the other stick write Stop. for general conference. <laughs> I can't
1: write you right now. This is guys, this is who I'm married to. Like this is what he does. I do it too though. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so that's our little um, housekeeping items, and we're excited because um, we'll give a shout out to Kirsten. She has a Facebook page. She is my roommate at BYU-Idaho called Choose to be Peachy, and she drafted our logo for us, and we really want to share it, but we're waiting until October, Um, but if you guys ever want faceless illustrations or anything, go to Choose to be Peachy on Instagram. She's awesome so that's all that's my little and
0: just as a disclaimer we will be mentioning this pretty much at the beginning of every podcast going forward and so just be be prepared um to hear that again and again and again up until the time that it finally goes over so um but yeah let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in all right to this episode this talk.
1: Elder Bednar, <clears throat> let this house be built unto my name. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know what where to begin. <laughs> Besides the fact that I had said last week that he always starts his talk with, you know, and it, he will invite the spirit in some way. And he says it, he says, I pray for the assistance of the Holy Ghost as we learn together about the covenants, ordinances and blessings. That are available to us in the temples of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That really outlines what the talk is about. Mm -hmm. um, Like his thesis statement, but Mm. um, he did it. He always does it without failure.
0: And that's, I wrote beside it. Consistency.
1: Right. Small and simple things.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's very much an intentional thing. It's not, I mean, He's got to work that in every talk, right? Right,
1: somehow, somehow,
0: right. at the beginning. And this one, he kind of threw us off a little bit because he waited until like ninety seconds center, and I was like, "Is he going to do it?" It's like seven paragraphs. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's true though. But he always does it. I have enough faith now that I'm yeah, just like, "It's right.
0: coming." <laughs> but anyway, um, early on, um, well, he begins his talk by. By referencing the several, you know, divine visitations, I guess you could say, or or heavenly appearances to Joseph Smith, first in the sacred grove, and then following um, when he was, well, three years later, in the still young Joseph's bedroom, when the angel Moroni visited him. Right. And he, he instructed him there. He became kind of his, his heavenly uh, mentor in, in a way, right. Kind of training him to be a prophet. It says he instructed Joseph about the coming forth, coming forth of the book of Mormon. And then Moroni quoted from the book of Malachi in the old Testament. Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. If it were not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming and that there is some slight differences between that and the language used in the king james version but very much to the point and what i took away from that was that you know both the book of mormon and the temple are like two parts of the covenant made by jesus christ to abraham isaac and jacob you know th- these things they they connect all the way back to the early dealings with the the patriarchs in the old testament right and, and so the restoration because all of this conference is about the restoration right i think that So sorry <laughs> i think that well actually i know that elder bednar is talking about the that continuing line of priesthood authority Right. Mm-hmm. An unbroken line of authority. And um, and then, of course, he goes on to talk about the temple and the priesthood keys and things like that.
1: Well, and he had to start his talk. I mean, there's no other way to start his talk besides talk about Elijah, because Elijah is the one who restored the keys to be able to do temple work, right. to be able to steal families and do these things. And um, it's the restoration of all things. Right. And so it makes sense that he begins by speaking about Elijah and what that priesthood authority um, meant for the restoration of the church. And so if we scroll down, it literally the first heading is the return of Elijah. <laughs> and um, this was the time that was testified that Kevin just read from the Bible about. Him coming to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, and all that means is basically in two words is family history, <laughs> right? And we have family history. It has grown so rapidly today, um, and that that's amazing. That's a that's a prophecy being fulfilled, and that's the whole point <laughs> of the restoration of these keys. And I think sometimes we forget that. Um, because sometimes I get in the mindset of going to the temple and seeking revelation for like myself. Mm -hmm. But I have to remember that that place was restored and dedicated for me to do temple work for my ancestors, Mm -hmm. right? And to link that chain all the way back to Adam and Eve and then to Jesus Christ, right? Well, actually Christ came while he was on earth. So (laughs) it would be all oh, the way.
0: <laughs> I mean, back to Heavenly Father. Right, really. yeah. Right. So
1: we're all uh, in an unbroken chain. Um And so anyway, so that's the point of that. But, oh speaking, here's a good, uh, I highlighted this, this goes perfect. It says this sacred sealing authority is necessary so that whatsoever that shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever that shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Um, that's the point of it, the sealing authority to prepare the world for the savior to come again through family history. Right. And I have a personal experience in this because, um, my mission president, President Torres in the Texas McGowan mission, and I probably talked about this before, but his way, um, of getting a temple to be built somewhere, right, anywhere, um, was to increase the family history work. Because there's an increase in family history work, there is a demand then for the temple. And the thing with McAllen was there's one in Mexico, and then there's one up in San Antonio. There's not one in the middle of the two. And so some people came from Mexico and can't go back or they're going to have to cross the border again and they can't go past the checkpoint to San Antonio. So they're stuck. Right. And so there's a demand for family history work in an area. The Lord is going to put a temple there. And so if we increase our family history, um, that's one reason so many temples have flourished in these last days is because the spirit of Elijah And people are doing their family history. And so the demand for temples has gone up because there's enough activity going on in family history that they need to put one there so that these people can do it now. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, 100%.
1: And it's just this simple thing, right? Very, very simple. But that is the purpose of temples, right? So it shows how important they are and why they're here. Kevin's thinking over there.
0: Well, I was thinking about <clears throat> a post that you actually sent me today from President Nelson oh, about yeah. celestial marriage. celestial marriage, and let me just go ahead and pull it up. I want to pull that up. Oops. Um, so yes, it's by it's by. Oh, it's like I guess it's a.
1: It's Russell M. Nelson.
0: Well, yes, but it's not from his Instagram. It's like...
1: Oh, it's... Yeah, it's Instagram called Declare My Word.
0: But anyway, it's actually from October, apparently 2008, something that Russell M. Nelson said. um, And he talks about, you know, exaltation and, you know, the, the highest degree of celestial glory is um or in other words exaltation is to be sealed um as a family Mm -hmm. that's a that's a major really a, a prerequisite to be exalted it says the noblest yearning of the human heart is for the marriage or for a marriage that can endure beyond death fidelity to a temple marriage does that it allows families to be together forever this goal is glorious. All church activities, advancements, quorums, and classes are means to the end of an exalted family. And I thought that was really powerful. And I've, you know, I've known that. I've definitely known that, but it really reminded me. And it reminds you of like, what's the purpose of Come Follow Me? Mm. Right? It's to get people to the point where they enter the temple and are sealed with their family right right um what's the what's the purpose of anything that that's that's the ends and it says this is the last part it says to make this goal possible our heavenly father has restored priesthood keys in this dispensation so that essential ordinances in his plan can be performed by proper authority and he lists numerous priesthood holders throughout history
1: including elijah
0: including elijah and moses the apostles um, and he says all of those have participated in that restoration of the keys and the reason that i wanted to read that is that this is like in in, a, in many ways in a major way the temple word is a work of love mm-hmm. right family history work is a work of love and that's why it really focuses on the word heart and hearts yeah and so in elder bednar's talk he goes in he talks about the word heart being used over a thousand times in the standard works and that our hearts the sum total of our desires affections intentions motives and attitudes define who we are and determine what we will become. And so, you know, if, if this work and really the spirit of Elijah, which is kind of this colloquial term for the Holy ghost, but it's a very special impression Mm -hmm. that we receive from the Holy ghost, which literally turns our hearts, turns our thoughts and our desires from like ourselves to those who have gone before us and we need to be sealed with them we have an earnest desire to be sealed with them and and be joined in exaltation with them
1: i like that i like that a lot because i i always think of heart as the intention um i think of it more of just your intentions in general which is exactly what he's saying he gives a lot more words to describe that um, but when I want to also clarify, I think the spirit of Elijah, um, you know, it is the Holy Ghost, but it, it's also for those who don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the spirit of Elijah. You know, it's the light of Christ coming unto them and testifying and putting this spark under them that this is true. Right. Um, and it's, it's just cool. Cause it can reach people that are not even a member of the church. Like I have an aunt, my great aunt June, girlfriend has the spirit of Elijah her whole life. Like <laughs> she is family history guru and she loves it. She loves learning about her family history, and I learn from her. I mean, I go to her house um, every time I can when I'm in California to, to learn more. She has this huge chart about it, and it's amazing. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. I like that the hearts get turned. Um, Literally, our thoughts get turned to them.
0: Well, just this last week when I was at work, you know, I was working by myself and a lady came in. And as I was helping her, she she was just chatting away about everything. Like, she was very chatty. And then she brought up that she had been, like, getting into her, her uh, like, Ancestry.com and writing about her experiences so that people would remember her and remember, like, know the things that she went through wow. and stuff like that. And that's also a part it's not just like hey i want to connect with people who have died it's also i want to i want to connect myself to people who i may never get to meet you know my wow. my grandchildren who knows if i am i gonna live another day i need to put down these words that mean like that that means something to me um and i know i'm talking a lot but as as we were sitting here And I looked down, and the next part of his talk, of Elder Bednar's talk, he says, planting in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, turning the hearts of the children to their own fathers, conducting family history research, and performing vicarious temple ordinances are labors that bless individuals on both sides of the veil. So lately, and Shelby knows this, I've been talking a lot, in past podcasts, in our own one-on-one conversations about, um, the perspective that these men and women had in the old Testament. Hmm. And they saw their generations going on forever. Like they just saw it. They perceived like the importance of their posterity and the things that they were doing then were very important and i thought to myself like oh that's like in some way we don't have that and i somehow lumped all of us into that but really it was me that some sometimes (laughs) i don't feel like how i don't feel that way that connection to my future children and their children's children and and then going back and i that's the mission of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, to stir that feeling up and help us gain the same perspective as those very, those venerable, wise patriarchs.
1: And the thing is, I was just talking to my best friend Morgan about this today, about just mindlessly scrolling on, you know, social media apps. And um, she said, you know, they're just not fulfilling after a while. Like, you just wasted a whole hour. And the thing about the spirit of Elijah and family history work is it's is fulfilling. Like, you do not feel like you wasted your time. Even if you spent a whole hour just trying to find one person, you don't feel unfulfilled because you know that you're doing a great work, right? Um, and it may be frustrating, but you know that you're doing something worthwhile, right? Like, that's affecting your future, your past, and your present. Like, it's yeah. just doing everything, right? So it's just this big, huge um, purpose and fulfillment that can fill a void. Like if you have a void in your life, I would try doing family history work. I'm Good sure advice. I'm sure that that void will get filled. Um, his next part, like heading in the talk is from the inside out. And I actually, I thought this was cool because <laughs> I quoted Ezra Taft Benson in a talk that I gave last week in our home sacrament meeting. Okay. And um, it was in this talk, but I didn't find it in this talk. I found it in the original talk, and I was like, oh, there it is. Cool. Um, but he basically says that the Redeemer, obviously, our Savior, wants to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men. And how does he do that? Obviously, we know through temples and family history work, but I really like this quote. because So keep in mind that we were just talking about hearts and intentions, too. He said, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take the people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of the people, and they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. And then, (coughs) I'm so sorry. Excuse me. And then he goes on to say this. This is my whole point in reading that previous quote. Covenants and priesthood ordinances are central in the ongoing process of spiritual rebirth and transformation. I would like to say, in other words, sanctification. Um, they are the means whereby the Lord works with with each one of us from the inside out. So then he goes to talk about how covenants and ordinances of the priesthood are what help us transform from the inside out Hmm. and not be, and I take that also as not being, you're in the world, but not of the world, right? Right. Um, And that's amazing. I mean, these covenants that we make with our our Savior and and Heavenly Father, they really do help us become more sanctified and holy to eventually be like them. Because if we can't do this here, even the slightest bit, we're not going to want to be doing what they're doing out there. You know what I'm saying? We're like, yeah. Oh, the, I mean, this is a test to prove here on earth. If we can do these things um, to prepare us for more, because I'm sure it's going to keep going after this. I mean, there's never not work to do in the kingdom of God. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion.
0: You know, um, so I listen to, to a guy he's a he runs a couple podcasts himself his name is jocko willink he's a retired navy seal and um something that he talks a lot about is because everybody wants to talk about the navy seal uh training like boot camp which is referred to as buds and it's like this crazy hard crazy difficult thing and people always want to you know There are people who they have like preparation classes for people who are thinking about going to the Navy SEALs. There are fitness boot camps who try to model in a very small way what they go through in in training. It's supposed to just be this like really hardcore thing. But Jocko, he talks about that being, it's merely a screening process. Mm. And he says, you know, to be honest, the hardest things that I had to do, in, the, in, in my entire 20-year uh, career in the Navy SEALs were not in buds. It was out doing the actual missions and the work and, like, mm. losing people, you know, things like that. And I, so I want to use that framework to kind of piggyback on what you said, Shelby, mm-hmm. which is everything that's going on here, although we think of it as being very difficult and strenuous and mm-hmm. – it's kind of just a screening process for heavenly father and Jesus Christ. That, like you said, they're, they're trying to see and prove if we'll do all the things which we've been commanded and how are we going to do them? Are we going to do them begrudgingly or are we going to do them with glad hearts right? and, and, um, and faith. And then once we're out of this training period, we have to do the real work. And, okay. um, and um yeah i just really like i like tying that in likening (laughs) that because obviously there uh, some people out there have like crazy minds like me and want to make that connection
1: i like it thank you for sharing it um i think this next part of the talk was super cool um the fame of this how shall spread.
0: Oh, this, this is actually my favorite part of the talk.
1: This was so cool because it compares uh, President Nelson's lifetime of temples. Like how many temples were when he was born to now. And it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. And I just think I was listening to it again today and I was like, "What? that's a lot of temples. Goodness gracious. So Um, obviously we know that temples are key to the work. We've talked about that, the ordinances, the covenants, we need them. Um, and I'm trying to, here we go. So when Russell M. Nelson was born, there was, and that was on September 9th, 1924. Y'all president Nelson is old. (laughs) 1924. Okay. Just a little side note, but he's, he's going, um, It says the church had six operating temples in 1924 then in 1984 60 years later 26 temples were operating that's an increase of 20 temples in a span of 60 years so that's pretty cool but 60 years i mean it's a lot of years to go by right this is what was mind-blowing to me (laughs) when president nelson was sustained as the president of the church 159 temples were operating That's an increase of 133 temples in 34 years. That's literally over double a time span in 60 years of temples. And then since becoming the president of the church in 2018, President Nelson has announced 35 new temples. And just look at this statistic, 96% of the existing temples have been dedicated during President Nelson's lifetime. 84 percent have been dedicated since he was ordained an apostle what does that tell you about temples and the work of the lord
0: um i wrote next to this just the word hastening right it's speeding up
1: 100 (laughs) percent i mean it's literally crazy just in his lifetime what was accomplished and so you see, like you literally see, and it's cool because in the talk it, it shows a map, and the map gets bigger as the tunnels yeah
0: right as the tunnels
1: get added. <laughs> it had
0: to get it had to expand <laughs> yeah, out. It
1: yeah. did because at first it was only here in um,
0: North America, uh, North
1: America, and then the next one it's like a little bigger, and then it just starts getting covered, um, and so that shows that should show, um, the importance of this work and in order to accomplish the work and the spirit of elijah we have to have those temples Mm -hmm. right and we have to have the members to go to the temples to do the work so it's very important and so that's when he starts talking about things that matter most and he says "Uh, however our primary focus should be on the covenants and ordinances that can change our hearts and deepen our devotion to the savior and And not simply on the location or the beauty of the building. Because he was talking about how sometimes we get a little too obsessed with a certain temple in a certain area. But um, it doesn't matter what temple. They're all the same ordinances and covenants that you make with the same priesthood authority. I could go on forever about temples. Because they're literally one of my favorite things on the planet Earth. And the temples have like been my anchor in lots of storms of life and have been my um, divine. uh, It's been my connection with heaven. If that makes sense. It's just been that place where I can go and I know that everything's going to be okay, despite everything that's going on. And I think I know that now because my family is there in the temple who has gone before me, right? Like Mm -hmm. the work I'm doing, I'm surrounded by people who are on the other side of the veil. So obviously I felt their support by doing their covenants and ordinances for them. And therefore that power went with me out of the temple to then sustain me in my trials.
0: I want to ask a question and I want you to answer it as thoughtfully as possible. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What would you tell somebody if they confided in you, mm-hmm. that they just, they didn't feel the spirit when they went to the temple.
1: They don't feel the spirit when they go to the temple. Um, my first thought is your heart's probably not in the right place. I don't know, what's their intent behind going to the temple? Are they just going to go or are they going to seek, or are they going with the intent to disprove that they can't fill the spirit? Hmm. I don't know, I would ask where their heart is. I'd probably ask them, well, why do you go to the temple? I'd probably, if you, you know, let's say Kevin, you're one of my friends and you say, I don't know Shelby, I just don't fill the spirit when I go to the temple. I would probably just answer back and say, well, why do you go to the temple? Hmm. And I think that would be really telling. Oh, that answer that they give me, I think would be telling of why they might not feel the spirit.
0: Okay, because I, I will say I feel I feel the spirit when I go to the temple.
1: I know, hundred <laughs> percent. I know.
0: The reason that I wanted to ask that question and kind of get your take on it is that I know that that spirituality is a it's kind of a muscle that you have to develop and if you if you have been going through the motions Mm -hmm. and maybe you just you found yourself in the temple right like you haven't really prepared necessarily to go to the temple Mm -hmm. and you you end up going because it's mission time or it's marriage time Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then you just keep going because that's what you do and you never had the chance to really to really understand or appreciate why temples were being built in the first place, and why they're such a big deal, and um, you know, it's just like gaining a testimony of anything. It, it takes time to develop, and so I just wanted to I just wanted to to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Not that I feel like there are a lot of people who go to the temple and don't feel the spirit. Um, I think those people generally just don't go or stop going. But
1: here's another thought. The spirit could be trying to testify to them, but maybe their heart's just not open to it. They're not letting it in to them.
0: Right. Well, I, I, I kind of want to push back and say that it's not always about them. It's not about their disposition. It could be that, you know, they, they haven't had to, they haven't had to prove themselves like they, they haven't been tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that in some ways, like the the closure of temples during the COVID-19, you know, pandemic will actually have blessed people with a greater appreciation for the spirit that when they do go back, mm-hmm. they will feel that abundance of the spirit because it wasn't available. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking in terms of like, there was a guy on my mission who said, that he, he talked about people in parts of the world where they had to sacrifice everything to go to the temple and take out their endowments and mm. and get sealed with their families. They had to go to other countries. Right. And when they came back, they were so destitute that they had to basically become indentured servants to people for the rest of their lives because they were indebted so greatly. And he, he then said, If you think, or he said, do I think that we take the temple for granted? We 100% do. And this was a guy living 30 minutes away from the Rexburg temple. So he understood the ease of going to the temple. We also have about a 30 minute to 45 minute drive to a temple when it is open. There are people living down the street from a temple in Utah, you know, and maybe they go often, but do they really appreciate what happens in those walls?
1: You know, I lived in Rexburg and the first year of me being at college, I went to the temple maybe like twice a semester mm-hmm. over a period of, a period? <laughs> over a time period of yeah. several months, right? Um, and then it hit me one day, I have a temple five minutes up the road for me, like five minute walk, two second drive up the road to Mm -hmm. me. Why am I not going every week? Right. It just kind of hit me. You need to take advantage of that. And then understanding the importance of why I needed to be going, right? Not just because there's a temple there, but because of the work that's happening and the ordinances and covenants are what made me go every single week. Even when I remember this one specific time, I was leaving work and it started raining. No, snowing, rain or snow, one of them. And I was like, all right, maybe I don't have to go today. Cause like I went every Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember. It had to have been snow, it was snow. And um, I was like, I don't have to go today, it'll be fine. And then it hit me, I was like, wait a minute, I do have to go. You know why? Because there were ancestors that crossed plains for me <laughs> to go out West to build the first temple or, er, well, the first temple was actually built in uh, the East. It was Kirtland. Yeah. Kirtland.
0: No, I, I see what you mean though. But
1: I was thinking if they can trek across plains in the snow, okay, I can walk my little bum five minutes up the road in some light sprinkling snow. And I remember feeling some sacrifice there because dude, it was cold. (laughs) Like Rexburg wind blowing in your face. Oh, it's like bone chilling. And I was like, I can do this. And the whole time I just kept thinking about like, I don't even know if my ancestors were on those planes or whatnot, but I was like, Oh my gosh. I just kept picturing them as I was walking. And then I got into the temple and the feeling in the temple was so different because I really understood the sacrifice it took to have those temples. So, and I think every time we go, we honor that sacrifice of temples being built and you know, families that become servants in society, because they had to sacrifice everything just to go one time to be sealed.
0: I just, uh, a lot of things came to my mind. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I want to share, because I think the Spirit is going to testify to each person who listens to this something different. What I would want to share is the the widow's might from the New Testament, and there is a fantastic Bible video, yeah, entitled "The Widow's Might." Go listen or rather watch, watch that video and you know the sacrifice you're talking about it's also that the the widow the single mom the single parent the college student who pays their tithing even that little bit but it's a lot to them right and that's going to the building up of zion and the establishment of temples which make it possible to do all these things and um i just know that there's so much to be found in the temple there's there's hope and happiness Um, eternal life is found there Mm -hmm. um if i may just as a concluder i want to scroll back up to the very first part of that heading The fame of this house shall spread when it talks about the, um, the prophet Joseph Smith, one week after the dedication of the Kirtland, Ohio temple, he said, and actually this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Joseph Smith says, let the hearts of my people of all my people rejoice who have with their might built this house to my name. And I'll add with some sacrifice because the early saints, they sacrificed more than anybody to build that temple. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment with which my servants have been endowed in this house. And it goes on to say, and the fame of this house shall spread to foreign lands and, uh, and so on. And at the time, like, just to think that tens of thousands of people would be impacted by what happened at that temple was kind of preposterous to, to a, a critic. They're like, this is just some little North American, like upstart church. You know, what, right. how is it going to make that big of an impact? And sure enough, that prophecy has been fulfilled tenfold. Right. Because temples, as we talked about, are everywhere today, and they're making an impact in people's lives. The communities around which temples are built are so incredibly blessed. Um, and so I just want to bear that testimony uh, that I know those things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Amen. Um, I just want to close with my testimony of temples because it's been something that's been very constant with me since I've been 18 because I've nurtured it. And I hope that every single one of you listening can continue to nurture or start to nurture or start that family history work. Because even when you can't go to the temples, you can do family history work. You can do, you know, journaling or writing or writing your experiences about your grandma who's passed away or your grandpa or something because it does contribute to a greater good and you will be fulfilled and that void in your life will maybe it will be filled maybe you'll be strengthened to endure it but i know i know with my whole entire heart that that's true and i say that in the name of jesus christ amen
0: amen shelby thank you
1: Well, thank you, Kevin.
0: (laughs) And thanks to all of you who listen and contribute. And next week we are going to discuss Mm -hmm. the, um, the talk entitled hear him by president Russell M. Nelson. Yep. Our beloved prophet. And, um, and that's actually the last talk of this session. Um, so that's pretty cool. We've, after that, we're going to only have one session left and we are going to be kind of churning these out in the next couple weeks. Cause, uh, we've got, we've got only so much time until the next conference. So definitely look out for many and more episodes.
1: Yes. Well, we'll see you all next week on episode 21. Bye everyone.